Hey, welcome back to the Dropping In Surf Show. My name is Rob Case. I am a paddling technique coach. Uh, today is Thursday, June 17th, 2021. Uh, I am recording from Belmar and Keys, California. And today I have a special guest co-host. He is the head coaching director at Surf Simply Resort in Costa Rica. If you haven't heard of Surf Simply, I don't know what rock you're living under. I'm sure it's pretty nice under there, but you should definitely take a peek at surfsimply.com and check out all the awesome premier coaching services that they offer. Um, They're phenomenal. Harry is an amazing human being. Uh, He has um, allowed uh, an hour of his time to have a conversation about a surf study that I know we're both really interested in. So this is the recording of our conversation. I don't know how it's going to go. This is a pre-roll recording introduction uh, to the show. So I hope you enjoy. Yeah, buddy. Hey, Rob, how's it going? How's things? Good. It's good to see your face. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Long time. <laughs> I have expected to uh, see you at, at the office. Well, it's, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm at my house. Uh, <laughs> see that. Yeah. <laughs> The, uh, yeah, there's uh, there's some stuff. At the, there's some guys in the office at the moment, so it was uh, not going to be the quietest place for us to record. So right I thought I would come home, and uh, yes, you get a delightful view of my uh, my kitchen. <laughs> yeah, I've kind of half figured that you'd have a uh, a happy hour drink in hand. Uh, I've got some iced tea here. Okay. Well, it's five o'clock somewhere, and I I figure it's five o'clock in Costa Rica. It is five o'clock in Costa Rica, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but but I have to try and keep up with you on a maths paper, so I'm not. Uh... <laughs> oh my gosh! So uh, I my initial thoughts on this is that it took me back to my undergraduate, and I immediately started having nightmares. Like I was like, oh my gosh, I have to like prove formulas again. This is not fun. Um, uh, what were your initial thoughts? Uh, well, having not <laughs> been to university and never really having to pull apart scientific papers, uh, I jumped straight to the illustrations. <laughs> yes. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, because I loved, that was my favorite part of it as well. <laughs> uh, I, I have a trust that the maths is correct. Um, it, it is definitely beyond my abilities to, uh, check. And I'm, I, I mean, I think that really, you know, all the maths that's in there is, is what they're throwing at the computer, isn't it? To create these models. So, uh, I'm just going to trust that that's correct, but it's, um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it, it, it's interesting. It's, um, I mean, I think, my feeling is that it is some evidence for what we see in the water every single day anyway. Yeah. Yeah. That, and I think that's what Nick was trying to get at um, because he is a surfer. But if you also read the first part, it was really just him describing why studying a surface wave and the water particles on it why it's important to study that small wave to really understand the bigger picture of what's happening with climate change. Yeah. And, uh, I, I first read that and I was like, Oh man, this might be a stretch. This might be just a surfer. <laughs> please, please give me funding for this project. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Let me go play with waves. Yeah. It sounded very much like a surfer wanting to play with waves, but, um, no, he's done a lot of research in that area. I actually came across it the first time uh, I saw him on Star Talk with Neil deGrasse Tyson. Have you ever listened to that podcast or watched the show? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Once or twice. Yeah. So I first came across him there and he was talking about the sweet spot on us on a wave. And I thought that was, that was a really um, ingenious way of putting it. Mm-hmm. And I think he also described this as every surfer kind of intuitively knows this, but now it's the the why it's the nerdiness behind why why that power pocket is so powerful yeah yeah and and just getting a feel i mean i think yeah it's it's interesting and i think the but i i am intrigued i'd love to see um goodness who was it the other day that just uh was starting to show some cfd modeling of a surfboard on a wave 
and I wonder I wonder the extent to that to which this would affect the surfboard on the wave in the same way that the um, uh, the water just the, the the effective flow of water running up the wave face or the apparent flow of water running up the wave face uh, and interacting with the board would affect it in the way that yeah. those, two, those two things interplay because I talk about when we're coaching and I, I, I realize we're jumping straight into just talking about what we think about it do you want to do you want to introduce this at all to no. <laughs> anyone who might be watching no, no. You, I know you are an expert at the podcast thing I am not so we're just jumping right in. Okay, cool. And and we can we can start to reference it if uh, as we <laughs> as we get into the illustration because we're not getting into the math. I'm I'm with you. I'm not gonna I'm not going to uh, break that down. But the you know definitely that illustration and, and specifically let me think about this one because I got it right here. We're we're talking about surfing surface gravity waves by Nick Pizzo from Scripps Institute of Oceanography. For those of you guys that are wondering. Uh, and the, the illustration that I, I use the most, I actually use this in my level two course as well. Um, and I think it's going to be the same one as you, though there was a, another one that I really liked, was figure three. Was it this one? Figure three, yeah. Yeah, yeah this so one's awesome. So what I'm, what I'm showing here, and I'll show it up on screen as well, um, it's basically showing a wave from swell to braking and the velocities and accelerations of the water particles on the front and back end of the waves. Is that a pretty good description? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So that seems right to me. Yeah. In, in different times. So there are, there are 12 different boxes. Um, uh, half of them, six of them are actually of the velocity and six of them are of the, of the acceleration points. Um, so I found this one the most interesting as well. And then the other one I really, really liked was, uh, figure two, this one, cause I just like the way that he showed this. So, mm. you know, starting from the bottom up, this is, um, basically he kind of stacked waves on top of each other going, you know, this is the, the time basically. Mm. And, and, you know, the minuscule view is this wave breaking at the very, very top, but this is kind of like the swell forming into the wave. And I've never seen, I, the reason I like this one the most is just, I've never seen anyone depict a wave breaking in this format. And I, I think I might adopt that. I think that's a really cool way of showing it. We always show like horizontally going from swell to breaking, but yeah. never maybe top to bottom or, you know, from bottom up. So you can kind of layer them. Yeah, it's it's interesting. The only thing I thought, and I might be wrong here, but as I was reading it, is that that's that's the changing of a deep water wave standing that's... up and breaking, rather than a shallow water wave, which is what we're actually catching. So that's that's kind of more like an open ocean wave. But then I, the, the thing that I'm not quite sure is how they're forcing. I assume they're just forcing that to break through wavelength compressing the wavelength yeah I, that bugged me as well um the stokes wave which is the deep water wave uh and and the, the way they described it in the conclusion they, they wrapped it up really quick they're like oh yeah this is uh a deep water stokes wave but it works the same and i was like really <laughs> i mean i mean i i mean i guess it does kind of work the same it's the, the waves tipping over for the same reasons more or less but it my understanding, my understanding, having not studied this in any way academically, but your shallow water wave is almost always going to break because it's being slowed down by shallow water and, and, and that, that circular rolling motion is being bunched up and pushed out of the water. Whereas when you've got a deep water wave, it's more likely to break because the, the height what is it? It's like a seven to one ratio height to wavelength. And that will eventually cause the, the crest to break, which is what you see out in the ocean when you're getting white caps is, is that, 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 that the waves grow beyond a point that their wavelength base can support them. And you get that, that capping at the top of them. And that, that figure two illustration looks like that to me, that looks like a, an open ocean wave white capping rather than a, 
a shallow water wave standing up and, and pitching over top to bottom, which is more what figure three seems to show, you know, just the, the, the angles of the, the wave slope and stuff. Mm -hmm. But uh, yeah, I, I didn't, I didn't see a full illustration of that uh, or, or a full explanation of which one they were, they were talking about with that, but it's the, the principle remains the same. Yeah. And I think that's what they were trying to get at uh, from a math point of view is that they have a mathematical formula for the Stokes wave mm. and have that John equation that they, uh, that they referenced. So this is be great if we got Nick to actually come and explain all this to us. <laughs> that would probably be more efficient, but <laughs> I have tried, man. Maybe with your clout, you can touch base with Nick and be like, "Hey, bro, come on." Really, I don't know. We we, we haven't um, the podcast all the way through COVID. The podcast really taken a a, a sidetrack. We've just been. Uh, we, we put a bunch of YouTube content out, but I we know haven't, we the haven't YouTube actually... stuff is awesome, by the way. I, oh, thank you. Yeah, I, that was, uh, that was very much team effort. It was, it was good fun. Yeah, it was, it's amazing. And that for sure, uh, wouldn't, I wouldn't say took the place of the podcast, but filled that gap that we were all missing. Oh, well, that's very kind. Yeah. Thank you. Um, yeah, no, but we, we should get going again with the podcast. Yeah, um, yeah, for sure. You know, one thing I was looking at is figure five. Uh, figure five, the, the time is a little bit further along, um, mm. 9.79 units, yeah. sure, but seconds. But that wave right there almost looks like, like you said, um, you know, the, all the ones in, in figure three looked like a deep ocean wave. And then that one almost looks like a gravity wave, shallow water wave. But at any rate, we should probably describe what uh, the conclusion was. <laughs> we haven't talked about that yet. Yeah, that might be, uh, that might be sensible. <laughs> um, well, I, yeah, I mean, to my mind, like, like I said, I think the, that they obviously are drawing a, a, a bunch of, um, like you say, conclusions that, that, that then, then are relating to water transport within the surf zone and, and things like that. Um, there is a, a, a little element of what we can do in terms of surfing um, and how it might be useful, but um, yeah. Well, let's, I, I, let's describe, I, um, so figure three, uh, and I'll throw this up on the screen for people that are watching these, this on YouTube, but I'll just describe these, uh, these, these uh, 12 frames. Uh, it's really six frames. Uh, one is the velocity. Um, at uh, early time frame, 0.25 is the unit for, for T. Uh, and it goes to 9.63 for the time unit. I'm, I'm guessing this is seconds. I'm, assu I'm assuming it's seconds because in, uh, in figure five, it's, you've got 9.62 to 9.78. So you're talking 200, 300ths of a or Two, two tenths, three tenths of a second mm -hmm. for the lip to pitch out, which seems about right. Yeah. And, and again, that varies on shallow waterways depending on the, sh the, the depth uh, change. Um, so that would be like, you know, one of my questions for you was, you know, did it spark any other questions? That one would for sure spark if he did an analysis at Chopu versus like San Onofre or something um, of this. That'd be vastly different, I would think, in terms of the acceleration. Yeah. Again, I it the the thing the thing I would like to understand better with this is what the paradigm is that they're using to pitch this wave over and break. Because obviously, waves like uh, you know San Onofre or Chopu, the mechanics by which that wave is interrupted and causes it to pitch over. There are there are differences to that, mm -hmm. and there are differences to that to to what certainly seems to be, um, you know, the idea of of, of breaking a, a deep water Stokes wave. Like that's that the mechanics of that are going to be really really different, mm -hmm. and I'm assuming that hidden within within all that the uh, equations in the front of the paper is how they're causing that wave like how they're 
forcing that wave to pitch over and, and, and break and what it, what it is that's causing that to do. But I didn't see a written explanation. Um, yeah, unless, the only, unless I missed it. Unless yeah, I missed the only it. written reference is he says here in the conclusion, although a deep water perturbed Stokes wave uh, was considered, this behavior, sometimes referred to as a crest instability, and then he quotes yeah. another um, uh, study there, is characteristic of breaking induced by a variety of methods in both shallow and deep water. But that's the only thing. But I, I, I agree with you. I think a lot of the math early on is saying, okay, well, you know, we're going to do all this math to prove to you that this is a pretty good comparison. Uh, it's not, it's not perfect because he even describes it later. He's like, well, I wish we, we could do this uh, on uh, free surface wave uh, as well. So at any rate, so here's, here's the conclusion guys, because I don't think we still have, have talked about this, but we as surfers, we all, uh, we all know kind of that to, and, and the terminology he uses, I, I would like to continue to use because we reference the power of the wave, quote unquote, but it's this math shows more of the speed and the acceleration of the wave being right under the curl. Um, just slightly under the curl is the highest acceleration point of a wave. And so we are always kind of referencing the power, which this study doesn't really talk about the actual watts or the power or whatever unit of power. It just talks about speed and acceleration. And so we're inferring that if it's faster acceleration, then we're able to, like you said, take the board and place it in a certain angle and tap into that acceleration. Is that Mm. correct? Well, well, yeah. I mean, I've got a couple of thoughts uh, on it from a coaching perspective, but um, yeah, I don't know. Let's let's finish the the conclusion because I know that you you reference some of this stuff with your uh, coaching for catching waves, and and we reference a lot of this sort of stuff when we're uh, coaching some some of the on wave stuff. So cool. I'm yeah, gonna I'm gonna be really fancy, and I'm gonna share my screen. Ooh, I pulled up. I pulled up our favorite illustration from the study. <laughs> Figure three. This one's great because. Um, uh, and I'll and I'll try to describe it for those listening. So the first column uh, is the velocity. The second column is acceleration for that same time frame, uh, and then the third column is uh, velocity again, but further along the time frame. Fourth it's actually column. it's actually weirdly it's very badly laid out because it goes A B one C D one E F. Well, yeah, it goes A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J. But it's, it's yeah, they're, they're all, t- anyway. Yeah, if we, if, we, if we were to actually just do velocity time, it would be A1, C1, E1, C, oh, geez, uh, E, yeah, E, G, I, K. Yeah. That'd be the, the, the movement of the wave. So, and then the acceleration is the same next to it. But what's, what I use it for is if we were to look at, um, because I'm, I'm, I'm referencing when, when is the most optimal time to add your, what I teach is a three stroke power, uh, three power strokes to get, yeah, to go from we, displacement we, to planing. We call them the turbo paddles, but yeah. There you go. Yeah, the turbo they're, paddles. Very so, much the same as uh, same principle. Yeah. So when is, when is kind of optimal and, and working kind of backwards when it's not optimal is when that wave is accelerating the very most. So if we go down to say L, which is where the, the wave is progressed the most, you can see that the velocity is highest right at the top and then acceleration is just under that curl. That's the worst time to do it uh, because that wave is progressing and accelerating um, so rapidly at that point. So that, that front curve and that front ramp is changing so quickly that, Hey, you're going down that wave no matter what, whether you paddle or not. And so working kind of backwards, we'll see uh, at the very beginning, you can see that the speed of the wave is, is fairly strong, but the acceleration is very light, meaning that, that the acceleration of those water particles moving into that next phase is pretty low. And that's a pretty good time there to start building that momentum of, of your mass moving forward. And then right before you hit, say, F, like E and F, that kind of stage of the wave where it's, it hasn't totally gone vertical in G and H, 
um, that would be kind of the start of the three-stroke burst where you're really getting from displacement to planing because right after that moment, uh, the acceleration takes off and you should be already on your feet by then. So that's kind of a lot of the, this is more the, like you said, the proof behind the things that we feel as surfers. Um, and I love it because this just for me, it further defines the importance of one, don't paddle like crazy super early on. You're not going anywhere in flat water. And then using the waves energy, I guess in this case, the transfer of velocity or the transfer of momentum from the wave into your board and into your body. And then the three stroke burst right before that wave really lurches up and it's too late. Yeah. Or, or opt for not paddling at all and just wait until uh, frame H. <laughs> As, as maybe some people do. Well, that's, that, that's kind of thing, you know, it's one of the questions I'm sure you get it all the time, but you know, we, we always have people that are very enamored with the guys that sit there and, you know, don't paddle at all, or maybe just do one stroke and mm -hmm. they're, they're into the wave. And, um, you know, we're always at pains to point out that, that number one, you haven't seen the number of paddles that it took them to get into that perfect spot you know yeah they 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 didn't paddle to get into the wave but actually they paddled 20 paddles from sitting over there to put themselves in that absolutely perfect position yeah. um where we're doing we we, we refer to it we, we we have um we call it dynamic wave selection and binary wave selection and dynamic wave selection is where do I need to be to get the wave? Like, how do I, how do I get from where I'm sitting to where the wave is going to be best? And obviously a, a lot of people are doing what we would more refer to as binary wave selection, which is a wave's coming towards me. Can I catch this wave? Yes or no. And, and invariably, you know, the, the, the chance of you being in that absolutely perfect position are pretty slim. So binary wave selection or dynamic wave selection, you're going to have to paddle a certain amount. Um, but the guys that are really good at seeing the wave when it's still, you know, 200 meters out to sea, they're doing all of their paddling before the wave's even there. And they're putting, they're intercepting the wave and then just sitting there waiting for it to come to them. Yeah. Uh, as opposed to paddling hard towards the beach, trying to make up for the differences. Um, but the second thing is you do have to, and, and actually this is something, and maybe your opinion differs to mine, but you know, what I see when somebody's going into uh, doing that very last minute, you know, the last couple of strokes is that very often, you know, the wave really has stood up and I'm, I'm looking at the, the time frames here. And I would think that actually the guys that really nail that, like no paddle takeoff or that one paddle takeoff, I think they're often past H and they're, they're maybe tapping into some of that acceleration in, in like J or L, you know, as that lip standing up and as that lips pitching out and, and perhaps it's that cause they call it, it's, it's like 4G of acceleration in the water particles. Yeah. That's it, crazy it, in L to, right. The largest right. acceleration. Right. And if, if you can be in the right place at the right time and you've got the, the, the skill to nail the pop-up in that position. You know, nobody's doing a no, <laughs> this is, this is going to be really confusing. And I, I was just looking to see if I've got, actually give me two seconds. I'm just going to go and grab a hard drive really quickly because I want to put a, an image on the screen, but it's on my hard drive, not on okay. my computer. I'm going to set it up on this side. Nuts. No, I've left that hard drive at work. So uh, let me do it the old school way, if that's okay. I am going to share a whiteboard, if that's all right. Yep. And I will draw it old school style. <laughs> do it. Um, so, I love this. so sorry for, for anyone watching this or, or, or listening. Do you put this out as a podcast or just as YouTube? No, both. Yeah. So oh, okay. there would be some people in right. the car driving going, what? Right. Listeners, you, listeners, you're stuffed. Guys on YouTube, <laughs> uh, yeah, this is maybe going to be a bit easier because we've just been talking about a whole bunch of diagrams and now I'm going to draw some diagrams and it's all just going to get really confusing. So you know what you're going to do? You're just going to have to go and watch the YouTube video. <laughs> um, so, uh, yes, I guess I, I, 
one of the big problems, and 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 I, I, I we've spoken about this before, Rob, and I, 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 I can't remember what your how, what how you've solved it, but one of the things that's really hard to do is you know as an experienced surfer sitting in the water and you see a wave coming towards you. One of the things that we're we start to do intuitively is we watch the way the wave is changing shape and it's getting steeper and steeper and steeper and eventually it's going to pitch over. And if you ask someone what it is that they're looking at as they're watching that wave come in and stand up and get steeper and steeper and steeper, it's really hard to say. It's, it's these tiny little differences. You know, it's, it's the shading and the colors and, and, it's, it's really hard to say. And, and so consequently, it's also quite hard for me as a coach sitting in the water to quickly pass on what I'm seeing in the wave to the student that I'm coaching that's sitting next to me. And, and you know, is this wave a steep wave? Is it a soft wave? Is it, is it whatever? So we've, we've kind of devised this system. So if, if, if every single wave, you won't like this because we stack it the other way. <laughs> but we stack the waves one on top of the other and we say that every wave comes in and it starts off super super soft but then it's going to stand up and it's going to get a little bit uh, this is where i'm trying to draw with a mouse and this is going to go horribly wrong i love it uh you're right stood. you're stacking them oh so oh, right. are the waves coming toward us on the on the, on the wave? no so so sorry the waves are traveling in this direction here okay got it um there we go <laughs> I am I am not an artist, ladies and gentlemen, and so I'm just going to apologise in advance. This, but so the waves the waves come in, and the waves then get uh, get a little bit. St- oh goodness, this is horrible. <laughs> it looks like a car. Um, you know what? I'm right. Okay, forget that. Forget that. That is a terrible idea. That's all going horribly wrong. No, just it think. was it was a lot of fun though. Like- oh, hugely fun. Okay, so let <laughs> let's let's go back to I I, I will just refer no. That's okay. Let's just go back to, to this number three. So okay. as the wave comes in, we call, I guess, this wave uh, an A, um, the wave that's, uh, that, that's right at the start. We call it an A. The waves then come in. As it gets steeper and steeper and steeper, we refer to the ideal wave to catch as a C. Okay. The waves go A, B, C, D, E, F as they stand up steeper and steeper and steeper, but they don't align with <laughs> with this diagram very well. Right. So this um, is a this is an A. It's, it's to the listeners. This is just a swell. It's like a kind of a steep swell. Yeah. So an so an A is just going to be a really like soft wave that there's no way you can catch it. A C is going to be that perfect wave where you just paddle in. It's not super hard to paddle and catch the wave. It's also not super steep. You just you know paddle in, get your feet, glide down the front of it. Fantastic. So B is catchable. But B is soft, so you have to uh, you have to trade speed for the steepness of the wave. You've got to paddle faster to catch the wave when it's softer. Yeah, I describe that as you just need to do more work. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah. Uh, or buy a jet ski. But um, <laughs> but um, <laughs> so the, a D is also catchable. But D is where we're pushing in, and the waves now pretty steep. Yeah. Um, you, you've got the risk of potentially nosediving at the transition at the bottom. You've got to have a pretty on-point pop-up or you're starting to think about, you know, once the wave's gone past sea, that's when angling the takeoff becomes beneficial because the wave's now steep enough, you know you can get down the front of it. So now maybe we need to think more about getting down the line than getting into the wave. Yeah. Uh, and then E would more or less, what we call an E wave would probably equate with I or uh, K in this diagram where that, that lip's now starting to pitch out. Mm-hmm. And then F is broken white water. That was easy, wasn't it? Why did I think I needed to draw that? That's fine. Anyway, <laughs> so, um, so, so, yeah. But you know, when people are doing that, that glide in, that you know, zero paddle, just kind of popping the board and in. Yeah. Invariably, the wave has to be at least a D. And normally, in my experience, people are taking off in an E, what we would call an E wave, where it, it really is. It's standing up and pitching, and they're they're yeah. taking off under the the lip of the wave. Yeah, it's cutting. Right. And, and so what I see in, in, in this diagram that's on the screen is kind of the evidence for, for, I'm assuming, for what people are tapping into and why that works in that situation, but doesn't work in a softer wave. You can't, you can't do it because the water under the board isn't being accelerated in the same way and you can't kind of freeload on that. 
Um, I don't know how that how that pairs with the way you're teaching it. Yeah, it's it's actually quite similar, and I. I would describe your A through E as just the rate of change. Uh, and that's what we're talking about here, which is acceleration mm. of the wave changing. Yeah. And so, you know, you're right. And how do we, how do we teach that to people in the water? Um, and it's, it's I, I think of it as just a bunch of different photos that you would take in your brain of waves yeah. that you've already seen. And then you've seen what their rate of change looks like. And, yes. and you start to now piece together and you and i we pick up on that a lot faster uh locals will pick up on it even faster than we would um if they're surfing the same spot over and over again and so it's it's incredibly difficult but but i i completely agree that 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 looking at l in figure three which is it's basically past 90 degrees that's where the acceleration is nearly 4g at that time frame that acceleration just under the curve yeah that is is the what I see Kelly Slater in September sessions dropping into that almond knee shaped way. Yeah, with, with no paddles. With no paddle. Yeah. And it was beautiful takeoff. I'll have to try to find that clip and throw it in because that was him tapping into the acceleration. Now, if the acceleration was even faster, and this is where the bottom contours would play a big role in this because there are some ways where you just can't do that. There's just not enough time for you to get up to your feet, even the pros to get up to your feet and set a rail. Like I'm thinking North point where John, John and Jack Rabo were all surfing that and we're getting thrown and getting pitched. Yeah. The rate of change for those ways based on the bottom contours and the changing of that, it was just too quick. It was just too yeah. quick for that whole process. But again, this, kind of I, I i hate to call this rudimentary nick is going to kill me if i call it rudimentary but this simple kind of example of oh, how a wave breaks right yeah a simplified a simplified version yeah exactly so the, there's a lot of variations and that's where i think you and i could totally nerd out and with nick and be like all right can we do this can we do that can we make this wave <laughs> because there's probably you know uh, an infinite number of iterations there isn't infinite enough because yeah. because every wave is different but but that is where it's difficult to teach and say, hey, listen, in this scenario, you, can, you don't need to take any paddles, but it lowers the likelihood that you're going to make it. You yeah. know? And that's, that's my main message is, hey, guys, there's a sequence I teach. It gives you the highest likelihood of making it. You're going to see lots of surfers not doing that. You're going to see lots yeah. of surfers wait until the last minute. But the likelihood of them making it all the time, it, it's a little bit lower. Yeah, exactly that. And, and actually, one, so one of the things that, that I find, and I guess this is, again, similar, that, that rate of change, the rate of change isn't a constant. It's not a constant even on one beach. You know, here in uh, Guiana's at, at high tide, the rate of change is very slow. Every wave goes through what, what we call that, that A to F scale. Yeah. But at high tide, it goes through A to F really, really slowly. But then at low tide, the waves jack up and pitch over much quicker. So they're going A to F a lot quicker. But then the, the, the challenging part is for most people, you know, what, what I would say is, you know, level one to three surfing, which is, is you know, a good majority of, of, of surfers in the water. We're trying to catch the wave at a, at a sea. And so as that, if I want to catch the wave at a sea and we've got to turn around and, and get the paddles we've got to get from naught to, to, to moving forwards yeah. so that as the wave picks us up, we can get those three extra paddles. So then I need the wave 50 yards away to look. I, I think a lot of people have an idea in their head of what a great wave looks like 50 yards out, mm -hmm. 50 meters out. And I think what I see a lot of people not doing is adapting and changing that if they learn to surf at a certain beach and they tend to only surf high tide or low tide they they know what a good wave looks like and then they go to a different beach or it becomes low tide and they're still paddling for the same waves and either getting run over by a wave that's standing up and breaking on their back or paddling like crazy and not getting down the front of the wave because the rate of change is different yeah, And again, I, th I think, you know, not to say that this is simple math because the math is incredibly complicated, but it's a simplified model. It's had all of those and, and, you know, all science at the end of the day has to allow for, for, for the, you know, random variations and, and, and the, 
oh, oh, oh goodness what's the word i'm looking for end of a long day um <laughs> i planned it that you, way yeah <laughs> yeah right uh you have to control for for certain factors you know you yeah. you can't take every single factor that's going to affect a breaking wave and then i mean you could do but you'd break most supercomputers trying to calculate that and so you've got to just all right, we'll just control for that. We'll just move that out of the way. Yeah. We won't worry about that. We won't worry about that. Let's just pare it down to the most basic, simplified uh, version of reality that we can. Let's see if it holds true. And now we can start adding in variations and, and, and see what happens. So, Man, you know, even experienced surfers like, like us will get stuck in that fixed mindset from time to time where oh, God, you, yeah. know, you surf the, the day before and you find this little sandbar and it's so fun. And then you go out there the next morning thinking it's going to be the same. And first wave you mess oh. up on, you're like, no, nope, it's changed already. Oh, you change your mind that quickly. I'll sit there for half an hour getting pissed. <laughs> <laughs> this was working yesterday. Why is it not working today? Damn it, Ocean. <laughs> God damn it, Maverick. Um, yeah. No, so that's, you know, I, I, I think that side of things is really interesting. Um, I, you know, from that perspective of... of learning to put yourself in the right place at the right time at the right speed in order to get a wave um you know knowing like you say that there is an optimum time to apply acceleration from your own paddling or for a more experienced surfer there's an optimum time to tap into that that acceleration of the wave particles yeah um yeah. you know I, I i think that that is very interesting i think the the other side is actually when you move away from uh, what you're trying to do in terms of paddling and catching the wave, but once you're actually up on the wave, um, we again talk about the, the, there's three sources of energy on the wave. Um, you, you can you can uh, obviously just use gravity. You can use the fact that you're, you're, you are raised up above the ground and you can point the board straight down the slope of the wave, convert gravitational potential energy into kinetic energy. Great. Um, but that's kind of limited. Yeah, you can only drop down the wave once um, and then it's a, a done and dusted. And so what most of us are tapping into is, is rail engagement in the wave face. And, and they talk about that in this article and, and, you know, trying to be in the curl of the wave. Now, I would be, it, uh, this was kind of what I was saying is I would be interested to know um, when I think about someone putting themselves in that optimum position in the curl of the wave, yeah. The reason for us going faster, to my mind, is that you've got a, an optimum angle of interaction between the surfboard and the water that's flowing up the wave face and hitting the bottom of the surfboard. Right. Um, and, and at that point, it's just Newtonian physics. It's, it's you're taking a flow of water that's coming up the wave face, you're turning it and, and sending it out. You generate speed and lift in proportion. That's not what this paper is talking about they're not looking at, at that effective flow of water in a way that they're, 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 they're looking at, at, at a different thing and I don't know how those two would interact with each other if that makes sense I don't, I'm not yeah. quite sure how how the the, the, the two motions would, it, would would affect each other but the third source of energy is to use the white water to use the water that is traveling towards the beach mm -hmm. which you can see again you know that that um, that L and J um, or, or I and K uh, illustrations that we were looking at before, um, you know, you can, you can see that the velocity of the water up at the top of the wave is, is huge. And if you can get that mass of water to hit the bottom of your surfboard you can use that to push you in so that's your re-entries that's your floaters that's you know a whole uh, bunch of of maneuvers it's why a good cutback should finish by coming all the way back and using the white water to push you back in is because that water has mass and velocity um, and i think looking at this diagram you can see why the timing is so important with impacting the lip of the wave um, because that water is, is, is under such acceleration. And the, you know, you look at the, the difference in the speed of the water at the top of the wave, uh, you know, between, uh, was it G and K, we're talking yeah. a one second difference, but the, the velocity is so concentrated in that, in that lip. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah. No, that is, that is incredibly fascinating. I, I never thought about that. And it makes perfect sense why Euro is, I mean, Euro is like, dude, go back to the power part of the wave, go back to the curl. Like why this, this is why, like if you're out here on the shoulder, you're getting something that looks more like a, yeah, you know, and, and that's why you bog rail. And that's, that's why it's so important to come back here. And I love the idea of using this illustration for velocity K because I looked at this the first time, honestly, when I first looked at this, I'm sitting there and I'm looking at this illustration, which is figure five. And I'm looking mm-hmm. at the way that it's curled over. And I'm as a surfer, I'm picturing myself inside this barrel and I'm not that high on the wave. There's no way I'm yeah. that high on the way. My rail is not engaged all the, like it's basically the, the, there's a little circle here that's showing the highest acceleration point mm. of this wave. And I'm sitting there going, you know, I'm, if I'm in this barrel, I'm somewhere kind of near the bottom of this here. But again, I think, I think if you, if you think about the mechanics there, the reason that that black dot is suffering acceleration is that's the water that is accelerating into the lip. Like you don't, right. you don't want to that's be in going this place. direction. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's the fastest acceleration that's moving from this point in time, 9.62 to 9.79. Yeah. Gosh, that's, you don't, but you don't want to be in that position at yeah. that point because that's you getting pitched over the lip. Yeah. And it, it, I mean, possibly it's a good illustration of why you don't want to get that high yeah. um, uh, uh, on the wave. But yeah, I like I say, I, I think my hypothesis, <laughs> and I, I don't have anything to prove this, but I'm really excited by the, um, the, the guys that are, are, are starting to run these CFD models, and it's the first ones that I've seen. Um, it, it, is it the um, surfing engineers? Do you follow their uh, Instagram? No, but I will now. Surfing oh, you will. Engineers. Oh, you will now. Do you want to – let me see if I can share this. Have a look yep. at this. Um, so this is the first I've seen. Because um, um, I've seen some of the CFD stuff. Uh, there's a guy out of Portugal that's done it. Mm-hmm. So, the so stuff. Right. So I've seen people model surfboards. Yeah. But the paradigm that they use is a surfboard on flat water, which... Yeah isn't isn't how we surf and i've seen people model a wave standing up and breaking um but uh what i hadn't seen before and my understanding was that the reason we hadn't seen this is is honestly largely because it just the 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 amount of computing power that was necessary to make this happen Mm -hmm. was just like didn't didn't really exist all that much. And this is, if you look at the polygons, that I'm going to share my screen in a second, but if you look at the polygons they've used, this is a very low resolution model. Yeah. But it is the first time somebody's modeled a board on a wave as the wave stands up and pitches and the board's traveling across the wave. Oh, so let me, let me share this because it, it, it is, it's a thing I'm of dying beauty. with anticipation. <laughs> Everybody in their car right now is dying as well. They're like, damn it. Yeah, so here you go. So this, uh, can you guys see that? Yeah. Um, so there is the wave pitching over and being modeled, and there is, they're, they're testing all these different fins. Oh, yes. Oh, it's a thing of beauty. Now, I haven't seen any of the actual data that's come out. I don't, I'm not aware that they've published any papers yeah. off of this at this point, but... I, I remain very, very hopeful that we might start to see some interesting information here that, that is hopefully going to prove what I've been teaching for the last decade to be right, because otherwise I'm going to look a little bit silly. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you know what? I'm, I see so much coming out of this. Like surfboard design is going to change immensely because you can see where the board is being used. Yep. And this is while it's riding, but we could do the same thing paddling in, paddling out and around. And I think, well, the paddling in and the paddling around, you know, that stuff where they were doing the flat water modeling, that, that works because, yeah. you know, the, 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 the pressure points on the board and the flow of water work. But as soon as you're trying to engage the rail in the, in, in the wave face, like the, the, the whole mechanics just 
No, totally. But my point is like, look at how little of the rest of the board is being used. Yes. Yeah. You yeah, know yeah. what I mean? It's like one of those things where I wish I had a button that, you know, you could just shorten the board all of a sudden, just use that part <laughs> that you're using, you know? Retract. Like, retract. Yeah. Retract, retract the board. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like the old knee boards. Retract the fins. Yeah. You remember those? <laughs> no. Those were classic. There was like a little rod in the middle and you can go fins down, fins up, fins down. Oh, right. <laughs> Oh, that sounds well. amazing. Maybe it's just a boat thing. It was yeah, a skiing thing. Yeah. There we go. There's our, there's our prototype, Harry. Yeah, I like it. I like it. <laughs> uh, anyway, That's yeah. fascinating. So, I, I will definitely be following them. Yeah. Um, I, I, yes. I, I feel like, well, yeah, like I say, I, 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 I feel like that you know again that's again it's introducing more complicated paradigms where we're talking about you know uh, uh, again i i don't know what paradigm they're using for making that wave pitch over and break and i don't know what the the movements of the water are and what the the board is doing on the wave and blah 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 but that's the most accurate cfd modeling i've seen of the scenario within which we use a surfboard and if that's now possible when I, I, you know, I'm very aware that five or six years ago that they're just, that wasn't something that anyone, anyone had, nobody had access to a computer that could run that kind of complicated thing to create that. And so if these guys are now have access to that sort of computing power, then that makes me, that makes me excited. Yeah. And that was just the board trimming. Hmm. It wasn't even going through a turn. Well, that's, see, that was the fact. Did you, did you ever read? God, what was it? It must have been about 10 years ago now or so, but um, maybe longer. Uh, Surfer Magazine persuaded, they got Kelly Slater to write a bunch of how-to articles for them. No, I don't think and I, I think he wrote, okay, I think he wrote like four or five. And then I'm pretty sure they told him, you know what, this is okay, because nobody understood exactly what he was talking about. But there was, <laughs> there was one of the articles that really, and this is, this is how far into the matrix Kelly Slater is but he talked about how he likes to visualize when he's visualizing a wave he doesn't visualize it as a smooth curve of, of a breaking wave but more of it was like an 8-bit computer and it's a series of like flat panels oh my gosh that make love this, this. that's exactly how I describe it right and then what he says is in order to surf efficiently you either want the board flat to the flat panel for, yep. for planing Okay. Or you want the rail at 90 degrees for most efficient traction. And anything between that 90 degrees and flat is inefficiency. And so when he's looking along the, you know, the line of a wave, like that's how he likes to visualize it as, as this series of flat panels. And then he's thinking about, am I either 90 degrees on rail to, to that flat panel of the wave, right. or I'm flat to it to plane out. And yeah. <laughs> I, how he does that in real time I have no idea but it's a very it's actually a very useful way of thinking about how the wave works I, I'm going to venture to guess that I highly doubt he does that in real time but that's the easiest way for him to describe it yeah um, well if anyone's doing it it's him Yeah, you know, his, his, his ability to be in the right place at the right time is phenomenal well and his feeling his foot to brain connections pretty incredible to yeah. feel that, you know, that's nuts. Um, yeah. And I'm, I'm, I'm pumped for that one day as well. The, that, that technology, I love it just from my own surfing perspective to learn how to maybe nerd out a little bit more about it. But, it, but again, getting back to the coaching, how do you teach somebody to think that quickly while in the moment? Um, well, actually I would say that this, this to a large extent goes back, to what you were saying before is that you it's very hard to teach somebody to think that this is something I've really wanted to, to figure out a way of doing for a lot of surfing stuff I, I think what I see in a lot of people is the task saturation um, and as they're you know particularly as somebody's paddling for a wave say there's so much information coming at them and they're trying to process so much of it and make so many decisions mm -hmm. that of course stuff gets left out and they become task saturated and when you become task saturated you stop thinking you just start reacting 
uh, or you panic. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, and, you know, it's, it's a huge part of, of you know, the, the, there, are, there are people who for their jobs are expected to become task saturated over and over and over again. You know, soldiers, fighter pilots, firemen, surgeons, uh, yeah. surgeons you know, yeah. the expectation on you is you are going to get into this and you are going to become completely task saturated. And so you look at, at what those guys do and they drill over and over and over again. And a soldier can strip his rifle down with his eyes shut and a, a pilot knows the, the checklist, you know, engine failure, right? Stick forward, this, 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 right. You know, they're not thinking at that point. Mm-hmm. They're just reacting. And what I'm not sure of is how I train that into somebody. As I said, how... <laughs> I have, I, and I told you this before, man, I have the easiest yeah. job. Like I can train that in flat water yeah. so that then they can look at all the other stuff when they're paddling in. But like the, the, the sequence of paddling in the actual technique, I got the easy part. I just stick them in the pool and I have them do it a thousand times, you know, and I do it under yeah. load and then with less load and then like stress them. What you have to do, it's so hard. And we even tried it when you coached me and we had the headset yeah. You know, the, by the time I process what you're saying, if I'm it's on the wave, it's all too late. Yeah. And it's like, how are you going to anticipate it? Actually, yeah, when, it, when we were at the surf, at the, at the pools, the pools might be the closest match because you can anticipate, all right, yeah. you're going to be ready for this section. You already know what the wave is going to do. You just, you just need to prep them ahead of time, which yeah. even that I think will be a, a delay in their brain. Yes. Well, I, I mean, there is, um, uh, have you heard of the, the 80 millisecond rule? Yeah. Yeah. So um, for anyone watching or listening that doesn't know this, there's a very cool trick you can do. If you, get, if you stand there and have someone bounce a basketball and walk away from you, and you'll find that at a certain point, that as they bounce the ball, the sound and the sight of the ball uh, hitting the ground will arrive instantaneously. They'll be the same. And then really weirdly, at one point, they will suddenly become disconnected. And it's at the point where what your brain basically does is it buffers information. As you take in information with your eyes and your ears and your, all, all the rest of your senses, your brain buffers for about 80 milliseconds before you're actually consciously aware of any of it, which is really weird to think about because it means everything you're looking at right here, right now, happened 80 milliseconds ago. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Um, which really freaks me out. But... Um, <laughs> it's it's, it's like, like it's just, time traveling that's all yeah it's like it was like that what is it it's you know if the sun blew up we wouldn't know know about it for eight minutes because it takes the light sun on to reach it. and and what if it's happened already yeah <laughs> anyway it's, it's it's sort of a variation on on that but but yeah as, as so as the person walking away from you gets far enough away that the speed of light and the speed of sound the difference between them is is more than 80 milliseconds suddenly the sound of the ball hitting the ground will arrive afterwards because it's, it's outside of the time within which your brain buffers the information. So that's exactly the problem. You know, by the time I, as I talk to you over the radio, there's an 80 millisecond delay before your brain's even going to give you that. Um, and, uh, and yeah, that's, that's, that's why quite- I'm just anticipating that you're going to say something smart. And I'm saying, yeah, I'm just nodding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just constantly nodding. Um, but no, I, yeah, I, I can't remember. How, how did I get onto this track? Oh, well, yeah, just in, in terms of um, teaching that information. So what I would love to do is, is figure out some way of, of drilling people. And I, I, the best way I've come up with at the moment is just using visualization and just telling people, look, get, get into your surfing stance, just living room floor, close your eyes, look down the line of the wave, look ahead of you, see that wave starting to stand up. And now I want you to go through the process, sit the weight into your back foot, open your shoulder, apply weight into your heels, feel that board pushing back into your foot. I can't at the moment come up with a better way of doing it. Um, what happened I, to the, uh, the VR stuff that you guys were using? The, so the, the, there are two hangups that I've had with the VR stuff. One was, uh, <laughs> well, okay. The first one was that the, the cameras that I had, um, were a bit clunky. Taking them out into the water wasn't great. They were in a housing, which meant you got lots of water spots all over then, blah, 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 blah. 
the newest versions of the Insta360 and the GoPro cameras are natively waterproof. So uh, we got one of those and we took that out in the water. And then unfortunately, the selfie stick that it was on snapped and the camera sunk. And like two weeks later, we ordered a new one. How heavy is the camera? It's like a little GoPro, right? How did it snap? Did you put it in the barrel? Uh, Well, it wasn't me using it. And I I don't want to throw any shade on the person that was. So um, I'm not quite sure how it happened. But we ordered a new one and then COVID shut us down. Oh, got it. And the camera sat in... Uh, in Florida for ages and ages and ages. And we've got it now and I do want to try and use it. The other problem that I've encountered though is that um, when you're looking along the wave, you know, what I try to encourage people to do is to look about 20 yards, meters ahead of you down the line because again you know it's like braking distances with a car you know you need to be looking that far ahead because by the time you've waited 80 milliseconds to become aware of it and then seen it and then processed it and then start reacting to it you're already there Um, and the problem is if you look at something that's 20 meters away on a gopro it's a tiny little speck in the distance (laughs) Um, because they're what gopro lens is about 18 millimeters like yeah. 35 mil equivalent and that it's it's you need like a 50 mil lens is kind of what we see with our eyes but then to create a 360 camera that was using like a 50 mil lens like you'd have to have a hundred of them yeah. and definitely no one's making that so that's the that's the challenge that i see with that at the moment is is just that the waterproof gopro camera or the waterproof gopros into the 360s the cameras the focal length on the lenses distorts the wave a little bit yeah, that makes sense. um but i do think there's some benefit to it and I, I it's something i want to keep pushing with um i i the the other one i i would quite like to play around with but the the, the problem i see from doing a drill based thing that the paddling side your side of things i can see some benefit where you can get someone to lie down and kind of look over their shoulder and see that wave standing up oh, I see and you know, decide whether to angle their takeoff or turbo now or slow the paddles down or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, the wave's going to come from being a tiny speck at 20 meters it's to right on you. And that I, I don't know if you're going to be able to get the clarity on that. Um, well, even just the, the height and, and perception, the height perception. Is, is all distorted. Yes. That's, and, that's the thing where like, when GoPros first came out, it was like, oh, you get GoPros and you put them on and you get this shot of the steep wave and it looks super flat. You and every, every wave looks shoulder to head high. Yeah, everything. And, and, <laughs> and so you had, to, you had to get deep in the barrel to get any sort of like wow factor from it. Yeah. But it's, you know, the other thing, this is going back, you'll be glad to hear listeners, we're actually going to go back to the study that we're meant to be talking about. <laughs> but, you know, Planned it all you, and it all along. <laughs> it's like a bit of Billy Connolly uh, uh, stand-up comedy. Anyway, um, the, 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 um, we were talking about that rate of change, you know, that, that, that rate at which the wave is changing shape and that being such a critical piece of information. And, um, you know, that, I, 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 again, I don't know this, but this is, this is a hypothesis that, that I think is true, that when you're looking at a wave, human eyes are very very good at movement and we're very very good at calculating speeds you know we're we're hunters we've evolved with with hunter's eyes and it's why myself possibly excluded most of us are able to put our hand out and catch a ball when it's thrown to us you know we're able to calculate the math to calculate that ball leaving someone's hand and arcing through the air and to put your hand in the right place and time like that's incredible um and I think that what we're able to do is we're able to perceive that difference in the speed of the bottom of the wave and the speed of the top of the wave. Mm-hmm. And the top of the wave is just moving very, very slightly faster. Yeah. But I don't think you'll be able to see that. I, I having put the headset on and, you know, I've, I've shot in 5k and I've exported at 4k and I've put the goggles on, but the goggles aren't 4k in each eye. So you don't really get the, the, the full perspective. And I don't think, think that you'll be able to see that and also of course it's a flat image it's not um 
it's not a stereoscopic image. Yeah. Um, which again, I, I think removes, I, I don't think it's unhelpful. I, I think there's a lot of situational awareness stuff where that VR yeah. might be really useful for training that. Um, and, and I, I want to keep pushing it. Um, but I, I, have you ever played any games in proper VR where it's stereoscopic? No, I haven't. Oh my God. It's the most, sur- like, I, I some of like it, if I go into that world, I'm not coming back out. Oh God, I played it. <laughs> I, I, so, um, randomly that we have the, the, uh, VR headset for the PlayStation four mm-hmm. and I borrowed it off, uh, Rue had it and I, I borrowed it and, um, I downloaded a couple of VR games and one of them's really fun. It's this, um, you know, flying fighter pilot game and you're flying around. It's super cool. And it makes you really sick. You know, it's like really, <laughs> you're, you're really nauseous. You're selling it here, Harry. Well, yeah, but there was another game that I played and, and it's, it, you're sitting and it's these tableaus. So you're not moving you as the, as the, you're not in an airplane moving around. So you don't get thrown around, but you can, there's, it's like this tabletop scene and there's this little mouse walking around. You have to guide the mouse around. But the stuff that if I just sit here, I wouldn't be able to see. And I have to look around behind oh, the, the objects in front of me and walk the mouse around the back to go and get that thing that's hidden around there. And it is, you don't realize, you know, we, we sit watching television and playing games and experiencing the world with this flat image. And I think, I think you don't realize how much you miss. Yeah about the world until you suddenly have an experience like that, where it's suddenly stereoscopic and it's like, ah, this is amazing. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But it, but yeah, it instantly made me think, you know, with, with whether it's VR or AR, you know, whatever it is that takes off, you're going to have this ability surely to, to, for stereoscopic vision and therefore stereoscopic cameras surely are going to become the norm. And, um, I, I, this is going completely off the topic of surfing, but I, <laughs> I just no, feel gonna, like don't that's worry, so we're exciting. Bring it back. Keep going. Oh, are we? Good, good, good. Well, no, I think I'd, I think I'd run out of steam on that particular <laughs> random tangent. Um, I can only apologize, listeners. <laughs> no, that's awesome, man. I, uh, I agree. I think that the technology is catching up really fast. And just looking at technology history, we're in for um, in our lifetime. Uh, a big movement and i think one day hopefully before you and i can take advantage of uh of it um before we get too old it comes around and you and you nail that vr because i would love yeah that. That'd be yeah so well i hope so yeah what do you uh, so okay on that tangent then yeah. what is the what is the one thing for you and your training what's the piece of technology that you wish you had that just just at the moment doesn't exist oh just anything that will go um, a Bluetooth hand sensor that will work underwater and then immediately go out of water and then back in. Cause right now everything's water. Uh, yeah. And I, yeah. I do have a Bluetooth um, Bluetooth hand paddle that I've been testing and it, it doesn't quite do it. It loses that connection. I was about to say, surely it's got to have some aerial yeah. coming out of the water because the, I mean, that's, that's the, same problem that submarines have, isn't it? You know, even the best of the U.S. Navy have to surface to get their get their letters. Yep. Um, yeah. So it, it's uh, it's it's almost there. It's getting there. But for 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 the stuff that I do, that would be the most ideal to get one that's consistent. Like the one that I have that you use that I put on you the wires. Yep. Right. That one's still the best data that comes out of it, even though it's ancient data. Still, like the way that they, it's like DOS still when it processes the, <laughs> there's two other ones uh one out of finland that i've been using and that's better for open water for longboards um because it's not a i'm not limited to length necessarily yeah that's the one that's almost there it's just the data and the algorithms they use aren't good i can't use the actual data um, it's not consistent with the the uh, analog data that i take so uh, okay. there like I'm a lot closer than you are. I'll tell you that. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, mate. <laughs> um, I also get more reps too. But anyway, yeah. I think we beat this one um, to a bloody pulp, or at least we started to. Um, I'm going to try and get Nick to comment on our rant. And, there we uh, go. 
I don't think this is a, this isn't a rant. This isn't no. You, I mean, you, we didn't, you, we didn't you tried to call it simple. I I, <laughs> I, said, I said simplified. See now you're just trying to make me look bad. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Slip the slippery shoulders of responsibility, my friend. This is your podcast, not mine. <laughs> well, thanks, Harry. I appreciate your time, man. Um, once again, we sit down for what I thought was going to be like a twenty-minute conversation, and an hour goes by. Yeah, I, 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 di- I didn't think it was going to be a 20-minute conversation. Okay. I, knew it sh- I knew that it should be a 20-minute conversation. <laughs> I don't think you and I have ever had a 20-minute conversation. No, no, no. It's, uh, I think every time I sit down, I'm like, oh, yeah, let's, let's go over these formulas. You know that formula you were, you were trying to work on with the company? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's another episode altogether. Yeah, um, I've got no, I haven't got any further with that. But no. Well, that was I, like I st- a two-hour conversation. Think- yeah, I still, I still think it's broadly speaking accurate. I just don't have any, any like proper numbers to attach to it. I hey, we know someone named Nick Pizzo that might be able to help yeah. us. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> we should get, we should get him involved. Yeah, we should. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, thank you so much, Harry, for your time. Uh, no, big, thank big you, hugs, thank you. It was fun. It's, it's been too long. And gals at uh, Surf Simply. Yeah, I will send you love. And um, yeah, say hi to Laurie and the kids for me. Will do, will do. Um, and we're out. That's how we're going to end this thing. We're out. Done. Mic drop. <laughs> Mic drop. All right, take care, buddy. Take care. All right, bye.